As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Time management. During this burnout series that we've been doing, I have realized that that is the one thing that has been contributing to my burnout more than anything else. So we figured that it would be a great idea to have an expert on who literally focuses just on time management. If you're not sure what I'm talking about with this burnout series and you're new to the Food Heaven podcast, over the past month, we have been recording a series that is highlighting our experience with being completely burned out and how we are trying to navigate our way out of it. So after you listen to this episode, feel free to go up in the archives over the last couple of weeks and listen to what we've been saying on the topic. Today, we are talking with a time management expert who has written multiple books. She's done a TED Talk, and she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to how we can all effectively manage our time. So our guest today is Laura Vanderkam, and she's the author of several time management books, including Tranquility by Tuesday, Nine Ways to Calm the Chaos and Make Time for What Matters. She's also the host of the Before Breakfast podcast and the co-host of Sarah Hart Unger, the Best of Both Worlds podcast, which is all about moms who are also working and trying to balance their time. Yes. And we cover so much. We start the conversation by talking about this idea of being late and how (laughs) it may or may not be a persona strategies that you can incorporate to get to places on time. Also talking about being busy, what that means and how we can all prioritize things that are important to us instead of using the I'm busy as a cop out. (laughs) At the end of the episode, I ask her her favorite time management strategies, which I am going to incorporate starting tomorrow because we record on Thursday. So the strategy is something that you could do every Friday and also every morning. I can't wait to incorporate it. And there was just so much great information. I also like how she is very straight to the point and really engaging to listen to. By the way, with the reviews, our podcast coordinator, she puts these in and she put a note. She's like, note, we are running low on reviews. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody, please go ahead and leave us a review. Maybe that's the review for this week is to just leave a review because it helps our podcast grow and reach more people so we can actually do it. Okay. All right. We are going to get into this episode. So Laura, during your TED talk, you mentioned being late to a presentation on time management, (laughs) which I found to be really funny (laughs) and relatable. And when I was younger, I didn't really care so much about being on time. I almost feel like it was like 
the cool thing to not be on time. But now if one of my friends is running late, like significantly late, like maybe an hour late, I'm not waiting. And I find that for some people, it's almost like a persona. Like they're just like, I'm always late. There's nothing I can do about it. I remember I dated a guy who literally like there was some kind of mental block for getting to places on time. Like he would actively avoid getting to places early. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, what is that about? <laughs> yeah, well, it's true that you mentioned when you were young, it seemed like kind of the cool thing to do. It's, you know, sometimes when we're like teenagers, adolescents, we tend not to think that much about other people, right? And yeah. so honestly, it's it's a way of saying like, my time is more important than other people's time. And then sometimes that is true, right? Like, I mean, sometimes it's true, probably not when we're teenagers and doing this, but it, it can be the case that what we were doing and what we needed to do with our time was more important than what we had said we would do. But I think what happens with a lot of people is it's not really malicious. Like, you know, it's more that time estimation is really hard and people don't know how to work backwards to take the steps that will be required to get someplace on time. I mean, just one example, as I always use for people, the space between the time when you are putting your shoes on in the morning and when you are backing your car out of your driveway for those who live in places where they drive cars, like the space between those two is not zero. And yet people think it's zero. And that explains why they are five to 10 minutes late everywhere, right? It's just, there's all these little steps that people don't put in. I've also found that many people who are chronically late are wildly optimistic. Mm. Like they think it will take 20 minutes to get to work because it did once. First, that was like the day they had to be there at 530 in the morning or something. And so they're like, I could repeat that every single time. And yet normally you're going to work at, say, eight when there are a few other people also trying to get to work. And so it takes a little bit longer. And yet this doesn't get built into the the mental picture because I want to keep with the optimistic view of it. So I think that is what's going on. But, you know, it really anybody can learn to be on time. I mean, one of the best things to do is just however much time you think it will take, add 10 to 15 minutes Mm. and then leave at the time that you think you're going to be 10 to 15 minutes early because you won't be like if if you're a chronically (laughs) late person that that 10 to 15 minutes is going to get eaten up in something. But at least then you'll be on time. And if you are early, like come up with something wonderful you can do as a treat during this waiting time Mm. to make yourself feel a little bit less like you've lost some of, you know, time or or few hours on this planet before we shuffle off this mortal coil. And oh no, I had to wait (laughs) for five minutes. You know, come up with something that's really great. Like have a great book you're reading on a, you know, on an ebook on your phone. And so you can just pull it off and use the time for that. And maybe that will make it feel a little better. That's such a good idea because I always feel like I'm being gypped when I get somewhere early. It's like, no, I could have, you know, had 10 minutes doing what? Scrolling my phone or watching Real Housewives. Like, I don't know. But like, that's so helpful to have something that's a reward that you can do. I feel like I I am chronically late to certain things like doctor's appointments. I'm always like texting, like I'm running 10 minutes late. But then when it comes to work stuff, I am on time and like overly negative, not negative, but like the opposite of like optimism, like overly pessimistic. Like it's, I feel like with Wendy, I'm like, girl, (laughs) 
This is going to take like 45 minutes. <laughs> I know. And like, I, yeah. And she's like, no, like, it's going to take 10. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, we could do this. And then we're going to be in West Hollywood. And then we're going to go all the way to East LA. And it's going to take five minutes. I'm like, girl, we need to budget two hours. <laughs> we'll get it together. Well, having, having tried to cross LA, I would say two hours seems slightly more exactly. realistic than that. <laughs> yeah. So I get both sides. Now, in your TED Talk, you also say that we don't build the lives that we want by saving time. We build the lives that we want and then time saves itself. What did you mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, so much time management literature or shows or, you know, magazine articles, anything you want to read is always about shaving bits of time off everyday activities, right? Like, you know, here's our time management advice. And it's something like, you know, fast forward through the commercials and your shows or, you know, clean the shower while you're in it. <laughs> I don't know, various things that you can save 30 seconds off whatever thing you were doing. And I guess the idea is that you are going to be able to add these little bits of time up and, and somehow achieve this amazing life. And yet so many of these things are just so silly. I mean, I've, I've seen the advice, like somebody gave in all seriousness, that if you're sending a lot of emails where the answer is okay, just type K you know, instead of, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you going to say like, maybe if you're sending, you know, 60 emails over the course of the day, okay. versus K you'll save one minute. Like, what are you going to do with that minute? Is that minute, that one minute, the thing that was keeping you from mm. living the life you want. And I, I don't know anybody where that is the case. Now I'm not saying you can't say K instead of okay. In your emails. I mean, why not? But it is much more effective to focus on what you want to have more of in your life. Instead of shaving time off everyday activities, think, what would I love to happen in my life? What would I love to put in there? What would make me happy? What is enjoyable and meaningful for myself and the people I care about? Make sure those things happen. And then magically enough, we tend to spend less time on email when we have amazing, wonderful things going on in our lives. We tend to spend less time on shower cleaning if we are doing all sorts of fun and exciting things, it's not that we f came up with some amazing email hack or shower cleaning hack or whatever it is. It's just that our lives are full with good stuff and there's just less space for the things that we don't want to do. This week's podcast partner is Lexus. Yes, the luxury car brand Lexus. I have loved their cars for forever, but my favorite thing about them is that they never stop innovating. The Lexus RX is the best-selling luxury crossover of all time and the best-selling luxury vehicle every year since it was first introduced. Lexus has never mistaken being ahead with being at the finish line, so they've reimagined every aspect of the RX. The thoroughly redesigned 2023 RX features heart-pounding design, intelligent technology, and courageous performance. The model year 2023 RX has a ton of new features that allow you and your car to work together. Some of my favorite features are that they have this Lexus interface with new cloud-based navigation technology, and it helps to provide you with up-to-date navigation and real-time route information. This has been a game changer for navigating New York City traffic. I also love that they have this pre-collision system that slows down the car when it detects a pedestrian in its path, which again, living in New York City is a great feature to have because people are just crossing at zero moments notice. 
The car also includes the first ever RX500H F-Sport Performance Hybrid that ups the ante on RX performance. Just like the RX, its drivers are people who don't rest on their laurels and are always striving to up their game. The Lexus RX is the perfect vehicle for people who want to venture beyond the expected route and never lose their edge. Never lose your edge with the all-new Lexus RX. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I would love to talk about this concept of being busy because I hear people saying this a lot, like I'm busy, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I feel like it's a cop out to saying like you actually just don't want to hang out with the person or you don't want to do whatever (laughs) it is that they're suggesting that you do. Yeah, I just feel like when people say that they're busy, their priorities are somewhere else. So why not just be honest about that? So for people who have loved ones in their life who they want to spend time with, but they're saying like, oh, I'm always busy. What are some ways to bring up that conversation in a way that's constructive. Yeah, it's it's hard because it is true that I don't have time tends to mean it's not a priority because, I mean, whatever you are saying, you know, that this person cannot do because they are too busy, like there is a dollar amount you could pay them that they would totally do it, right? And that dollar amount might be different for different people, you know, as some some people it would take a lot, but, you know, for many people, it's like, I don't have time to exercise. Okay. If somebody offered to pay you like a couple thousand dollars to get to the gym three times this week, would you do it? Like, yes. Like most people would totally do that. They would find the time somewhere, but you know, it hasn't risen up to that level of priority yet because you know, those benefits aren't on offer. And so, you know, saying it's not a priority for me right now translates into, I don't have time, right? I'm too busy. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences to making different choices. I mean, it may be that somebody is in the final week of a semester of school and they've got a massive final on Friday. And, you know, if they say they are too busy, it's that I'm prioritizing taking this final and getting a good grade on it as opposed to meeting up with you. And I think we could all understand that. Right. But, you know, if the person is chronically saying I'm busy and doesn't appear to have anything like that going on, you say, well, I just want to know, like, what would be a good way for us to, you know, engage with each other? What would be, you know, something that we could still be supportive of each other? I could, you know, I like spending time with you. I don't want to be a burden on you. What would work for you? Well, so maybe sometimes it is true that you are not a priority for that person. and, And then you just have to evaluate, is it still worth it to you to be doing something to have this person in your life or is it not? I don't know. There are people we can be, you know, we can enjoy their company, but we just bump into them at parties, right? We just see them when it works out in life to see them. We can send a text on occasion just saying, hi, X is going on or happy birthday or whatever. And that's just the way the relationship is going to be. And we can choose to focus more of our energy on people for whom we are a priority. Um, yeah. And and that can change over time, too. I mean, I just I don't want to you know, you don't have to write the person out of your life forever. It may just be that there are things going on in their lives that maybe you know about, maybe you don't. And, and they have to deal with that right now. And maybe in a year or two, things will be different. And then the relationship can take off again. I love that. It seems like a lot of people prioritize work eating, working out, but then there's not much thought that goes into spending time not doing anything like downtime. So do you feel like it's important to to prioritize or like carve out time for downtime? I think you can. And if you have a busy life, it's important to figure out 
where that time would be and when you would most appreciate it and notice it and then do what you can to protect it. So, you know, maybe you are a person who likes to have some quiet time in the morning when you wake up, um, but you live in such a family where that is unlikely to just naturally happen. If that is the case, you may need to set your wake up time at a moment where you can get, you know, 20 minutes with your cup of coffee before the crowds descend on you and, and need everything. Or maybe it's at a different time. Maybe, you know, you consciously take a real lunch break at work and, and need some sort of relaxed time. And you decide I'm not looking at email. I'm not talking to people. If that's not what I want to do, I'm just going to, you know, sit outside somewhere pretty, think about life. Or, you know, maybe it's that you have a couple of weekend plans set in, you know, there are things you have to do. Look at when those are and you say, well, I can see that's there, but I don't have anything before 1 p.m. on Saturday. And so I'm not going to put anything there. I'm going to consciously leave that open to have that as downtime. And I'm going to know that that is my downtime. I'm not just going to like putter through it, half cleaning the house, half, you know, looking through email I didn't get to before, you know, thinking about what I'm going to do. No, I'm going to appreciate that those hours are downtime. And so then I can go about the rest of my full weekend doing what I have to do, knowing that I did have those hours for a little bit more relaxation. So just kind of piggybacking off this idea of downtime, I feel like most of us think of downtime as just like watching Netflix. I mean, maybe reading a book, but like that's pretty much it. And I remember listening to a podcast a couple of years ago that was saying that that is great, but also I think they called it like the concept of maybe active rest or something like that, where it's like just kind of like collapsing on the couch and watching binge watching all these shows is not the only thing that you want to be doing with your downtime. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. So I kind of break it into the categories of what I call effortless fun and effortful fun. And effortless fun is being on the couch watching Netflix. It's also scrolling around on your phone, social media, stuff like that. It is not requiring much of your active engagement. Now, there, there may be some, you know, some television shows that really do require more thinking about it or whatever, but that's that's kind of a different matter. Most of the stuff we're watching, it's it's very passive. Now, the effortful fun is stuff that does require a bit of active engagement. So that might be something like doing a puzzle right? Like mm. doing a thousand piece puzzle. A lot of reading would be effortful fun. It could also be talking with friends and family, you know, people you enjoy having that active social engagement, but it could also be things like doing Lego projects, hobbies, crafts. For some people, musical instrument playing could be that sort of effortful fun. But you want to think about what are those things? What are those things that I really enjoy doing and I find energizing? but do require at least a tiny bit of effort for me to do. And then you want to make sure that your leisure time is not completely filled up with the effortless variety. Mm. I mean, the problem is that we often get our downtime when we need downtime, right? Like we're very tired. And so, you know, using that slight bit of energy to get the effortful fun going can be really, really hard. But the net result of that is that we spend all our leisure time watching Netflix, even if there are things we would really like to do, like, you know, drawing or painting or sewing or you know doing puzzles or anything along those lines. So one one trick that I, I tell people to consider doing is to think effortful before effortless. So when you have a spot of leisure time in your life, whether it opens up suddenly or whether you knew it was coming, like it's you know 10 o'clock at night, you knew you were going to have some downtime then, 
do at least a few minutes of effortful fun before you engage in the effortless variety. So when, you know, you are getting ready to have your downtime, like read a book for five minutes and then you can turn on Netflix for the rest of the night, right? Or do your puzzle for 10 minutes and then you can scroll around on Twitter for an hour if you want. But just do the slightly harder thing first and that way you will get to have both kinds of fun. Whereas if you start with the effortless fun, you are never going to stop it to then go read your book or do your puzzle or anything like that. So you'll only get one kind of fun. And what kind of fun is that? Holidays are coming up. I'm so excited. And our lives are going to get a lot busier. We're making all the plans. I'm doing a holiday menu, spending time with family. It's such a great time of year. Having said that, y'all know that we have been experiencing burnout and Holidays can kind of, you know, make you feel more burnt out because there's just so much going on. And I know from doing this burnout series that one of the things that helps me so much is keeping my structure and routine. Y'all know I like to go walking or do some kind of fitness most mornings. And before I do my activity, I love sipping on some water that includes gnarly nutrition's Hydrate, which is their exercise hydration mix. I've been talking about it for a while. I've been taking it for a while. I love their products and that the team is committed to science-backed nutrition. All of their products are rigorously tested and NSF certified, meaning they contain the ingredients on the label and nothing else. Plus the products taste so good. I am obsessed with the hydrate raspberry flavor. I have the bag in front of me now, as I mentioned, me and my husband, like we're both kind of fighting over it. We're almost at the very end of the bag and getting ready to replenish. Push your possible this holiday season with gnarly nutrition. We've arranged a special offer for our listeners. You can get 15% off of your entire purchase at gnarly nutrition, but only when you visit gognarly.com and enter the promo code food heaven. Don't wait. Visit gonarly.com. That's G-O-G-N-A-R-L-Y.com and enter the promo code FOODHEAVEN to get 15% off your entire purchase today. Yeah, because I think that once you get sucked in to whether it's Netflix or social media or whatever, you don't even really it almost becomes part of your routine and you don't actively take the time to think about, well, what does downtime look for me? And I try to kind of check in with myself periodically just to see like, okay, well, what things do I want to take on? What new things do I want to try? And I'm wondering for you, because I know you have a lot going on. You also have children. What does that process look like for you as life changes and your energy changes too? Well, it is crazy that people don't actually know what they would do. Like if, if they, you know, I always ask the question, like, what would you do if an hour opened up on Tuesday afternoon? People have suddenly all these ideas of, you know, things they would love to do. And there's the rare person who couldn't actually do one of those things, like on a Tuesday, if they wanted to. It's just that we don't think about it. We assume we are so busy and we have no downtime. And so when downtime does appear, we do whatever is easiest, which tends to be the Netflix, the scrolling. And and the trouble with that is it doesn't even register sometimes that you had the downtime. I mean, people will be shocked if they look at their screen time count on their iPhones. They're like, wait, that was some some other magical being that came in and scrolled around online for all that time because I don't have any free time. It's like, well, somebody did it. You know, it happened somehow, but it's not noticeable because it's not necessarily actively chosen. 
and it's not particularly rejuvenating either. So it tends to happen as if it never happened. It just kind of slips through our fingers the time. So, you know, I like to think about, well, what do I like to do? You know, make lists. What do I enjoy? Like, what would I like to do on my weekends? You know, what would an ideal realistic weekend look like? You know, you can make lists of fun places that are within an hour or so of where you live, because those are the kinds of things you could probably do on a weekend. Make a list of things you can do in your house with downtime that you enjoy, that you find energizing. Think about what tools or, you know, materials you might need to make those happen. I mean, people will say like, oh, I'd love to do puzzles. And then they don't get any. Like, I mean, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to do a puzzle if you don't own a puzzle that you find intriguing to want to do. And so, you know, because the streaming services are there, you wind up doing that instead. Or, oh, I'd love to read, but then you never go to the library. If you never go to the library or a bookstore or anything like that, you're not going to have material to read. And so you need to kind of make that choice to engage with, with the fun. And, you know, one other thing you can think about doing, I do think even busy people can make some commitments with their leisure time and often find it very enjoyable to do so. So things like singing in a choir, playing in a softball league, joining a community theater troupe, anything along those lines. And yes, it's hard to get your head around like, what? I'm supposed to be there every Tuesday night? Like, that that seems crazy. But it is really awesome to have something that is structured like that, that is not work. It is not your family. It is just you, right? It is something that you find enjoyable. And because it is a commitment, like that choir is meeting every Tuesday or that softball team is playing every Wednesday, you will show up. Like even when life is busy, even when you're a little tired, and then you will feel much better having done it. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I love the adult schools. Like I feel like every neighborhood has one because there's like so many classes for so cheap and you have that commitment. The only problem is that I struggle with because I've done a lot of them and I'm like, how do I not make that a whole nother thing that feels like a like where I now have no time. And it's like, especially (laughs) if you have to like drive to it and it's an ordeal and there's traffic and and then it becomes like your whole. Well, usually they are your whole evening sometimes if it's once a week or do you just like do less worky type stuff so that you can like have the energy to feel that you can do that and be fully present. Like, I, like how do you yeah make that not like overwhelming? Well, the first thing is to make sure it is something you really, really, truly want to do, right? Okay. Like as a busy adult, you're not like in high school where you can sign up for 10 activities. Like, you know, <laughs> this it just doesn't work. Like we're talking like one thing, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's just one thing, you know, even if it's one night a week, like you can kind of manage your energy for that one night, right? The other nights you can go home and veg out if you want, but that one night you're going to go do your other thing. And if it is something that happens regularly, you can manage your energy during the workday to get yeah. to that, right? Like, you know, that if Wednesday is the day you've got this sculpture class or whatever that you're going to, you try not to do anything too draining Wednesday, right before quitting time or suddenly get anything you know, big started right before Wednesday quitting time, because that is the evening that you're going to your sculpture class. So you try to manage your energy around that truth. Yeah. Can I just ask one more question? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Okay. So with downtime stuff or like any kind of non-worky things, is it supposed to be something that doesn't take up too much energy? Because I'm like thinking I'm wanting to get into stand-up comedy 
But then I started writing jokes and I'm like, okay, wait, then I have to like memorize these jokes and I have to like go and this is a job. And then this kind of takes away from this being a fun leisurely thing. So should you just not choose stuff that like is going to be a lot of work? I no, I think it's okay to have it be work. I mean, sometimes fun takes work. And you think about what is drawing you toward this. And I'm guessing it's because the thrill of being up on stage yes. and having people crack up when you say something funny is well, just, we'll I don't know. it, oh, it, there is no feeling quite like it. And, and anyone who's been on stage and experienced that, like, oh, I just got the audience to do exactly what I wanted them to do is so powerful. And it's very, you know, addictive, frankly. And so I think if you can keep that image in mind, it might give you a little bit more motivation for writing and memorizing the jokes. And also you want to make sure it's not too much time too. I mean, you're, you're a busy person with all this other stuff going on. You could say, okay, I'm going to commit to carving out, I don't know, 20 minutes, three times a week for writing jokes. Mm. And so then there's a cap on it. It's not every waking minute I could be writing jokes and I'm not, and I'm feeling bad about it now. Right. <laughs> I'm like in the shower, like I gotta write this down. I gotta get out of this I could bit. be, and I'm not. Oh yeah. No. So give it a, give it a, cap, give it a time. And then you don't feel like it's everywhere. Great advice. Yeah. That's really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you were so into it. Girl, it's a lot of work though, but I have two bits down. A lot of pressure too. Now with phone use, because we spoke about phone use a bit, do you recommend that people also set caps for that? Like how long they're scrolling on the phone? Should they be mindful of like that screen time tracker so that they do know how much time they're spending and try to cut back on it maybe? Well, it kind of depends what your relationship is with it. And there's some people who just don't wind up on their phones all that often. And if that's the case, if that's you, then you don't need to worry about it. I would also say that if you have a full life, you are making progress on your goals, you have quality downtime doing other things, then you may also not need to worry about it, right? Like if you've got great books you've read, like the fact that you spent 30 minutes the other night on Twitter may not be, you know, the end of the world. Like you don't need to feel guilty about it. You don't need to watch it. You just have the good pieces of life in place. Great job, family you do fun things with, exercising regularly, have your hobbies. Social media can fit around that. I think the issue comes up when people realize like, I just spent all evening on it and I have no idea where that time went. I don't feel any better. Like, I just feel like it's gone. And if that's the case, it might help to build in a few pauses into your life where you can evaluate if you are doing what you wish to be doing. I think trying to do the effortful fun first can help with that just because you often get so into your effortful fun that you don't have any time left over to be on social media, right? Like you get into your book and next thing you know, it's bedtime, right? And you didn't have, you know, you didn't have the hours spent on Twitter because you were reading a book instead and that's great. But if you don't do that, then it might help to sort of set a timer somewhere, like put a alarm on your phone, say, oh, it's, you know, 8.30 PM. What am I doing right now? Am I doing something I wish to be doing right now? If not, what am I going to do about that? And, you know, if you do this frequently enough, you can start being a bit more mindful of where the time goes. Or for any, you know, advanced students watching this or listening to this, you can always try tracking your time in general. Like, so not just screen time, but everything. Because when you track all your time, you start to see how things like screen time fit into the larger picture and see if you are spending more time on that then you are spending on other things that you might claim were a bigger priority. And if that is the case, you may decide that you wish to switch things up. 
What are your thoughts on multitasking? So it kind of depends what we're talking about. For most people, when we think multitasking, we think like I'm on a phone call and I'm checking my email at the same time. And it's really not doable. Like one or the other thing you're not paying attention to. So in general, if you can multitask, like probably one of those things is not important enough to be doing. If you can multitask when you're on a phone call, odds are pretty good you didn't actually need to be on that phone call. So maybe you should have addressed that beforehand of whether I was actually necessary for this meeting or not. Or, you know, you're just not paying attention, in which case you don't care about it. Like, right. That's something that you need to address. The fact that you're spending your time on things that you don't care about. Now, the exception to this is that there are a certain sort of multitasking that you're really doing two entirely different things that use entirely different parts of of your brain. And, And usually it's that you are having social time built into something else you're doing. So exercising with a friend, you are exercising, but you are also building that relationship. Great. You're multitasking. I'd say that's wonderful. Or if you are, you know, listening to an audio book while you are going for a walk or driving to work, you know, those are also things that are using slightly different parts of the brain, but you are reading while driving or reading while exercising. And so you are multitasking. But again, it's it's not quite the same thing as trying to check email while somebody is trying to talk to you. Yeah, like actively engaging in more than one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That with things that can fit together as opposed to things that are really you just not wanting to pay attention to one of the things because you find it boring, which could be true. <laughs> but yeah. then that's a different matter. So for people who are feeling like they're all over the place, like throughout the day, or they're kind of just like responding and reacting to different things that come up and feeling like they have no control over their time. Like as an expert, what do you suggest that people do to kind of get a handle on it and feel more at peace? Like they're in control of their day. I think one of the best things you can do is take 20 minutes on Friday afternoon to think through your upcoming week. Think about your life over the next, you know, Monday through Friday work week and tag on the the weekend to that as well if you want. But look at what you need to do and what you want to do in three categories, career, relationships, and self. Make yourself a short three-category priority list with the most important things that are going to occur or you want to have occur over the next week in those three categories. And then figure out, looking at your calendar for the next week, when are you going to do those things, right? Set a time. Set a backup time, right? Life comes up, right? So set one time. And if it's really important, set a second time in case the first time doesn't happen. And then look at what is already on your calendar for the next week and the other things that you have to do, your various obligations you've already agreed to, and figure out any logistics that need to happen, anything you need to do to prepare for those things, or any problems that are suggested by it. Like, huh, that's interesting. A team whose meetings always run late is looking to meet at four o'clock. And yet I know I need to pick up my kid at five o'clock that day hmm, maybe I should solve that now (laughs) instead of waiting till the moment when it's a panicking inducing situation and we're trying to solve it on the fly. But if you look at your time holistically in terms of a whole week and see what you want to do, what you need to do, the steps you need to take for each of those things and solving any rough points, you can get a lot done. And when you feel like life, like there's a plan for tackling all these things you need to do, you're going to feel like life is a lot more manageable. Now, the first week or two when you do this, there's going to be a lot of just like figuring out what needs to happen, right? Because you don't know, like everything feels like it's just happening to you. But as you do this week after week, you start to make progress on big things so that they don't become emergencies, right? Like you can see like, oh, 
I'm going to have something really big due on Friday. Thursday is completely booked up. Interesting. Maybe I should carve out some time on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday to make that thing happen. So I'm not getting there on Thursday and realizing I'm going to be working till midnight or something because there's, there's no other time for it to happen. But the only way you can do this is by taking time every week to look at the whole week. But if you do, you will start to feel a lot more on top of things. That's amazing. I have two like little follow-up questions to that. So what do you say for people who, let's say you do that, and then it's like, there's still a bunch of things that kind of come up that are kind of fires you need to put out. Like, do you say, like, put your phone down, close your email until you finish your list. And then if you have time over, do those things, or you do just kind of ignore them until you can schedule them to the next week? It sort of depends how much control you have over your schedule, because there are some people who can ignore the fires for a while until they get through everything and then they can do them. But maybe you're in a different sort of job or position where that's not doable, in which case, you know, one thing to keep in mind is that your priority list for any given day should be very, very short. I believe Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you create a to-do list or priority list for a day, you should think of it as a contract with yourself. Like you are committing that you will absolutely get through it. And the only way you can commit to that is if it is very, very short, because life is going to come up. Things are going to happen. Good stuff, bad stuff, probably a little bit of both, right? So it needs to be very, very short. Like the list should take less time than you actually have, because the time is going to be filled with something. But by keeping the list short, you will be able to get to those things and to the things that come up. In general, it's really a good idea to build more open space into your life than you think you are going to need. Just as we discussed that, you know, people are bad at time estimation. We're late because we think that there's no time between putting on your shoes and backing your car out of the driveway. The same thing happens with work. Like most people assume that things will take less time or nothing bad will come up this week, right? This will be the one week where nothing bad happens. Like nothing will come up and it's never that week. So just build in as much open space into your life if you, as you can. There's some people leaving Friday as open as possible, right? Schedule all your major priorities, anything you need to meet with people about for Monday through Thursday, leave Friday as open as possible. It won't stay open. But when something huge happens on Tuesday that you have to deal with, now you have space to put everything that was going to happen on Tuesday that you know can now happen on Friday. Whereas if everything is completely booked up, then Tuesday stuff has nowhere to go. And so you have to keep bumping it to the next week and bumping it to the next week. And that's how we get very behind on things. That is so helpful. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. This has been incredible and super helpful. I know I'm going to like take some of these tips and incorporate them today. Now for people who want to learn more about your work, your podcast, your book, can you share where they can find you? Sure. You can come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. That's just my name. And if you enjoy podcasts and are looking for something else to listen to, I have a short every weekday morning podcast called Before Breakfast, which is just a five-minute tip that's going to help take your day from great to awesome. So this is a new one every weekday morning, but you can just listen to it while you are making your coffee, putting your makeup on, getting your shoes on while you're heading out the driveway. I mean, it really is less than five minutes, so it doesn't take much time. And for any of your listeners who are raising families and combining that with building a career, I have another podcast that's called Best of Both Worlds. My co-host, Sarah Hart Unger, is a practicing physician and mom of three. She and I talk all things work and family from the perspective of people who really 
enjoy both. So it's a pretty positive podcast and hopefully people will check that out as well. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.